Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. This is Rome Business Radio. We are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I'm Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio. I'm Carly Parker with the Rome Floyd Chamber. Today on our podcast, we have Gorg Hubenthal with the Founder Growler Station, Kimberly King and Payne Berry with Sexual Assault Center of Northwest Georgia, Joe Kostalnik, Kostalnik. Kostalnik <laughs> with Harbor House Northwest Georgia Child Advocacy Center. The, the toughest thing every week is to pronounce <laughs> the, the names. names the last names. Uh, how, how are we, everybody? How are we doing? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we'll just kind of go around the room and let everybody kind of give us a broad overview, if you don't mind, of your organization. And then we'll let the conversation flow where the conversation flows. But the idea is to... Let our listeners know about your, your organizations and create connections in the room and in the community. Uh, so, ladies, let's start with you, Kimberly King and Peyton Berry with the Sexual Assault Center. Thanks for being here. Uh, just if you could give us a broad overview. Oh, well, thank you so much. The Sexual Assault Center is a 501c3 nonprofit um, victim advocacy center. So we are committed to uh, serving survivors and their families um, from for however long they need us. Um, we provide an array of services, uh, not only from responding to an outcry um, for the need of services, but also on the preventative side. So we provide community-wide prevention education, as well as victim advocacy, 24-7 crisis um, intervention, and uh, we man a 24-7 crisis line as well as being able to provide forensic medical services and counseling services in the community. Okay, so all-encompassing on a very, very tough issue. Very tough what, issue. What, what, is, what is your title? So I'm the executive director. Yeah, you're the big shot. Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't say big <laughs> shot, you know. We're, you know, we're a small organization that makes a big impact. You know, our, yeah. our services are uh, vitally needed in the community, um, not only um, for, you know, the purpose of helping with that investigation, but for supporting the the people and the families that have been um, unfortunately impacted by by victimization, and so we're here uh, to be able to share a little bit about what we do. And um, yeah, excited! Thank you so much for having us. All righty, thank you for being here. Uh, we'll circle back around, and uh, but let's let's uh, chat with Joe here, Joe Kostalnik, uh Harbor House Child Advocacy Center. Tell us about your organization, Joe. Uh, yes, sir. The Harbor House is a child advocacy center, one of 52 across the state of Georgia now. Uh, we were founded in 1994 and like the Sexual Assault Center, we are a uh, nonprofit here in town. Our main purpose is to provide or to centralize the investigatory process for the county uh, when child abuse allegations are made. So when there's an investigation into allegation of child abuse, sexual molestation, things like that, um, we're kind of the central focus of that. The police departments and child protective services contact us to schedule forensic interviews of these children. And we also provide victim advocacy, just like the sexual assault center does uh, for as long as they need us to, to be with them. Uh, we also offer trauma focused therapy services to these kids uh, at no cost. So. Okay. Do you guys cross paths a lot? Every day. 
We do. We do. Uh, A lot of our services are completely intertwined. And that's the beauty of Rome and Floyd County is that we have um, a a plethora of victim services, not only from a child advocacy center, a sexual assault center, but also our local domestic violence center, um, a shelter. I mean, the the hospitality house and then even our victim witness assistance program in in the community. We have a a ton of um, amazing resources. Okay. Um, Continuing with our our Final guest, Gorg Hubenthal with Foundry. Hi, Gorg. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Hunky-dory, as we say down (laughs) south. Um, And, okay, tell us about the Foundry, for those who don't know, but everybody should know. So (laughs) I feel like my my speech is going to be a little more commercial. The connection here is we're all Chamber of Commerce members. Well, I, I have also been a supporter of the um, Sexual Assault Center with a dance challenge with Lauren on uh, Hillman uh, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, That's a great event. The, it is. The, the, it really was. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, it is amazing. It is and amazing. So... We basically are a craft beer and um, pub restaurant, if you would, uh, business on Fifth Avenue, kind of tried to bring Fifth Avenue back. A bunch of people have come since then. Um, But basically, we just uh, sell craft beer and wine on draft to on-premise and off-premise and um, try to give you a nice, comfortable atmosphere to do it in. Growler, growler. What is what is that? That's a that's an old term used for a jug of beer <laughs> that that's, that's that didn't very... seal well years ago, and would, I guess, due to carbonation, burp sort of, and it would make this low when the when the CO two would ex- escape. Oh, those, so that's yeah. that's how I got, and I got so, his name. So you're walking down the road from the. Uh, brewery and your jug is growling at you. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was a story behind the name. I yeah. just knew, I knew, it was a, knew it was a jug of beer. Yeah, they 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 were real popular before um, before canning and 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 it was easy for people to get their beer from local breweries and take it to their house. Right. It's the same principle. So, uh, craft beer. What does that mean? It just means smaller uh, breweries, so it's not. Um, uh, it's it's they're usually a little more specific in what they brew. There's not a, usually a pasteurization or anything like that. So it's it's um, you have like Budweiser, which is a, a really large brewery all over this country, and then a craft brew would be kind of localized. Um, they may, they may like we get some craft beer from California and other places, but typically it's more local within like the three states here: Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. We get a little bit from Carolinas too. But so, like, how many? What's how many varieties would you have, or different different types? So we have thirty taps of beer. Okay. Two taps of soda, eight taps of wine, um, two cider taps, and. Um, we have a seltzer tap now too. Okay. Yeah. What what is what is your background? My background is woodworking. Okay. <laughs> so uh, how did you end up at the foundry? Well, I I, I, I built it. We we um we we had uh, an opportunity to do something um, fun in the town and in Rome. We really liked Rome, so we we decided to put down some major roots 
And uh, I started a woodworking business and then felt I was spending a lot of time visiting other people's bars and spending money. <laughs> I thought I could do this and make some money. Um, and I wanted to do it differently than what was being done. So tell us a little bit about the vibe when people go in. Um, it's usually, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty chill. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I think it's the idea is that it's comfortable, uh, family friendly. Um, but yet it's a bar. Um, but it's, um, I, it's, a little like it's not uh it's not a country hick pub or bar it's it's a little uh, upper upper scale from that uh, and it, that sounds like I'm classing it but but it's 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 i mean you could come in with your muddy shoes on and your torn shirt and we'd serve you as no problem but you're t- not typically going to see um rough housing in there it's it's a little safer environment we try to keep people um served without over serving we're very conscientious of those things so it's um again kids are welcome as well so you you go in and you get a beer for yourself and a soda for your child and you enjoy yourself and the kid enjoys themselves what so, if the kids start roughhousing <laughs> yeah, we got a big parking lot they can go sit <laughs> i'm just messing with you no. um okay let's just kind of keep the conversation going uh peyton barry with the sexual assault center what is what is your job title there <clears throat> um i am the victim services coordinator um i've been with the sexual assault center for um six years now um and i just was recently um i took on this role about a year ago um so i manage our advocacy program um, so we have, we're blessed enough to be able to have a very strong advocacy program, which kind of sets us apart from the other sexual assault centers, um, really across the country. Um, a lot of people, when they are assaulted, they typically just go to a hospital and have a sane nurse perform an exam at the hospital. Okay. And that's the end. Um, with our program, we are lucky enough to have someone who is trained, um, in, <clears throat> crisis intervention and um, victim-centered approaches um, go out and meet victims um, at the hospital or have them come to our center and um, provide them with their options. So a lot of people don't know um, when something happens, kind of what uh, what happens next. Um, it's really hard and confusing. So we can kind of um, be there to support them and walk them through that process, um, you know, these are your options with reporting. These are your options with evidence collection. Um, and then even almost more importantly, after the exam, um, kind of follow up with them and say, you know, what can we do to support you? Um, do you need help talking with your investigator? Do you need um, resources for therapy? Things like that. So um, really try to provide a holistic kind of experience. Can be so isolating. Yeah, say, you know, say that. Start, start again, Kimberly. I was just saying, you know, so for so many survivors, um, victim, you know, their assault and their victimization and their trauma can be so isolating. You know, they can go inwards. They don't know who to talk to. Even the, the people closest to them, being, you know, thinking about disclosing to them can bring up so many other um, conflicts and other reasons why they would you know, they feel like they may not be able to reach out. So for that reason too, you know, advocates, um, the advocates on our team that provide that support, they're like that extra person in their life, that support person, that um, the person that 
the, that our, our clients can call to say, hey, I'm really struggling with this today. I just really want to talk about these triggers. Could we maybe do some like grounding techniques or, uh, you know, I know we've talked about counseling a couple of times before, but hey, I think I really am ready to like maybe go and take that next step. Could could you, you know, like help me with that referral process? So in our in our world, an advocate is um, uh, they kind of help to to case manage and, and uh, make sure that the the client has everything they need. Everyone on our team, though, you know, not just our advocates, everyone is incredibly vital and important. We have a, a group of almost 30 individuals on our team, even though we are a small, you know, our issue, the things that we do, it's quite quiet. You know, a lot of times we're not necessarily out there um, because, uh you know, of, of the, the, our work is behind, you know, closed doors and it is, it is more quiet, but, um, we have a big team with big, big hearts and, um, just, you know, wanting to be there for survivors. Well, it's, it's obviously a horrific thing that you're, you're having to deal with. Well, that they're yeah, having to deal with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can, can, I mean, what are the numbers like of like, how many people do you work with that? I mean, it's, is this worse than we want it to, it should never happen at all, but is it worse than we than we think. I would say yes. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think that any, you know, and even sitting here with our partners at, with the Harbor House, any disclosure or any, you know, um, victimization of um, anyone in our community is a devastation. You know, it's devastating yeah. to any of us, like, because it's someone that we all care about. We are a close-knit community, so it affects everyone in some way, right? We, um, on either end, but this past year, we served 382 people, of which 127 were under the age of 18. And, I mean, we have to really keep that in mind, uh, that we are just, this is only considering sexual assault, Right. Um, I know Joe can speak a lot on, you know, child abuse numbers in general, but uh, just out of our community in the the five counties that we serve, the most that we serve um, is from Floyd, Bartow and Polk. Um, but yeah, out of the out of last year, 382, 127 were, were kids. Wow. All right. Well, that brings us back to you, Joe. Um, if you could, you know, what kind of numbers are you dealing yeah, with? It's, uh, similar to what she said. We, we serve two counties, Floyd and Polk, but, uh, we average about 200 forensic interviews per year, uh, and usually over 300 therapy sessions of some sort, uh, about 150 of those 200 come from Floyd County. So now child abuse numbers are, they're there. They're not always, um, the type of case that you would think you you know you see other news or something like that, but they are definitely um, happening here, and we 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 do like they do as well. We we work to to work on the prevention piece and help get into schools and and do things like that. Try to stop it before it gets there. Yeah. So if you could go into a little more depth about so you try to help with the investigation side, That's facility. So how do, how do, what's that process like? Well, when. I used to be a detective, if you didn't know that. I used to work for Rome CPD. So. I, you know what? I didn't want to say it, but when you walked in the room, I thought, there's a cop. <laughs> I'm trying my best to lose that uh, perception. But listen, so I did this for like 17 years uh, here in Rome, and uh, that was the majority of my career was doing investigative work to include sexual assaults of adults and sexual assaults of children as well as you know plethora of other things but when you do that work it i tell this to everybody i talk to you cannot as a detective you cannot 
do the work without these service organizations. It is legally impossible for me to try to collect evidence from a victim of a sexual assault crime. So you have to have these organizations. They're not government organizations. They're nonprofits. So we've got to stand behind them as a community. We've got to stand behind these organizations. So when I had the opportunity to come over to Harbor house, I don't know, five plus years ago, um, you know, it was kind of a blessing. I, I, I support it. So when we, have a case when there's a, an outburst or an outcry of abuse, a child says it to somebody, usually somebody trusting in their, in their life. And then that starts the reporting process. Usually DFAC, Sam and the police uh, get the police report or the, the incident report and they have to investigate it. And to do that, the detective has to get information from that child. And in order to do that by our legal protocol, um, they contact the Harbor house, the child advocacy center and set up what they call a forensic interview. And that child will come to our center, which is a comforting atmosphere uh, downtown. It's a drive-by. You'd think it's somebody's house. Right. So it's not um, a police station or something intimidating, no. right? And that's extremely important. Um, one, every time this child has to relive that, that trauma, um, they're being re-traumatized every time they have to tell that tale. And when you have school staff, principals, parents, uncles, aunts, teachers, police, DVACs, attorneys, doctors, asking this kid the same thing over and over and over. So we changed it. We bring them to our center where we conduct a recorded forensic interview by a trained professional who leads uh, or conducts an interview that is in a non-leading, non-biased manner that allows a child to disclose their, their tale in uh, a recorded atmosphere that becomes piece of evidence Uh, the important thing to know about a forensic interview is it is legally defensible uh, that particular interview so as as a police officer if i sat down and tried to get information from a child that may not be legally admissible or it could be easily overturned in in court so this is a whole creation of the, the the process i used to utilize that facility before uh i became the director there and also, sexual assault centers heavily involved with both. I'm a board member, of the sexual assault center, and my wife's a sane nurse too. So, yeah, it's it's funny. Being a small town, sometimes when people walk in, you know, we, we want to create connections in the podcast room, and that's why we invite a variety of organizations each time. But uh, sometimes they already know each other. Y'all walked in, and say, "Hey, I didn't know you were going to be here." Yeah, it was, was really kind of funny. It was impressed. I was the first one in the door, which is very rare. And uh, I was looking out the window, and I saw them pull up. Oh, I, I just, just uh, uh, chuckled. Uh, you know, um, yeah. um, how, what what ages are we talking about, Jeff? Uh, three to seventeen. By by our Floyd County protocol, child abuse protocol, uh, we serve children aged three to seventeen. We will attempt to interview children under that age, um, depending on, you know, just every case is different. So it just depends on the circumstances and whether or not we think we could do, uh, you know, make a difference. Are, are you a Rome native? And since 1995. Oh, uh, I, where, was, where I from? was, I'm from uh, East Cobb area. I was born in New York and grew up in East Cobb and I went to Barry College. Oh, that's where that last name comes from, then, right? right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually. uh, I've got Pennsylvania roots. My parents are from Pennsylvania. My grandparents and uh, aunts and uncles. So, poor guy. Where you from? Where were you from? I I was. I was born in Philadelphia. Okay. So, so you know, East Side, but 
Scranton, lived, yeah. Scranton, Willisbury, Waymart. It's just awful. Small place. towns. That's, that's where the t- what's the TV show The Office takes place the in office. Scranton. I was about to say Scranton. <laughs> I know this. Dunder Mifflin. Dunder Mifflin. Yes. My mother does not like the weather in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I get to it's, hear it's, about that there's, frequently. There's a. Uh, it's gray. Yeah. That's it. That's what Great. she said. It either Great. rains, well, it snows, it's cold. Well, yeah. Well, like, what brought you south? Um, a decision to move to a warmer environment. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's it's such a depressed place up there. I mean, it, it's gray <laughs> in sky. It's gray in attitude. It's just really depressed. The, the the happiest time you go is when you're stuffing your face with some amazing, you know. Italian or German food, cheese steaks, exactly, or 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 close your eyes and go to bed. I mean, it's just it's it's, it's yeah. sounds like you should be sounds my uncle. Like a beautiful, it sounds like it's always sunny wow. in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, it's like yeah, Philadelphia is actually a little bit better. Western Pennsylvania, where I was most of the time, it's like Pittsburgh um, and steel mills. Just, and, uh, it, yeah. the, the cloudy skies didn't go when the steel left. It's it's just cloudy up there all the time. But um, there's that. And then I grew up actually in South America. So I was used to warm weather and sun and moving back to Pennsylvania didn't didn't fulfill that need for those. Oh, you have an interesting background. So yeah. so what brought you to Rome? Uh, I actually took a job here. Uh, it was it was 15 years ago. Um, I, I I just realized I was in a dead end spot in Western Pennsylvania. It's just not a whole lot going on. Hard to um, hard to raise a family, um, and I, I just I just there's no it, it didn't matter how much you worked you were you were still going to be in the same place you were <laughs> the last year. So it was it got to a point where I was like I just need to I need to move move away and and go somewhere where there's more vibrancy. And here we are. And here we are. Well, the, one of the things I like chatting about because ultimately this is a, a business podcast is. Talk about the. You said you know you kind of had this idea of you you were spending money in other bars. Yeah. So there's there's risk reward to you know launching something. <laughs> so there's, talk it, about the mindset and the headaches. <laughs> well, uh, headaches are the uncontrolled factors that you just can't foresee or 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 even figure out how they even came about. It was just, it's just stuff that just occurs. You have employee issues always. I don't know what business or probably even an organization that you're in, you're going to come up with uh, people. The more people you hire, the more involved you are in more people's lives, like deeply. And uh, you, you know, there's that factor. Then there's just um, changes going on within the city. And that's actually hitting us pretty hard right now with all the, all the construction on West third and yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's those things where it's like, oh, these are growing pains, but in the meantime, we're groaning. Um, and so it's, it's, um, and then there's just, uh, in a smaller town, you, you get a little bit, uh, at times you'll get a little bit of, um, gossip going around that is not necessarily true. And, and people, you know, there's somebody said to me recently, there's always two sides of the story, but one side gets told. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and that's, that happens a lot. Um, and so it's, it, uh, and, and you try to stay higher ground and, and just try to be decent, but, but there's just a lot of, um, just unforeseen things that just happen within, within the realm of the city, within the realm of government oh, in general. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. man. COVID was a insane situation. Um, and, and I don't think anybody 
could have foreseen any of that. Like yeah. that just came out of the blue. So how did you navigate it? Um, carefully. Yeah. Uh, it just, Is that when um, you added food to your menu? No, we had food before that. Um, actually, we were doing really well with that. We we added food a year after we started. Um, we really everybody wanted something to have with their beer, and I thought responsibly, it's really better than leaving letting people leave on an empty stomach yeah. and full of beer. Well, empty food wise and full of beer. Um, so we added food a year after we opened. So, um, and then it grew from there. But what's on the menu? Uh, we have all kinds of like flatbread sandwiches, um, appetizers, things of that nature. We're actually doing every Saturday from 10 to one, we're doing a brunch where we actually have draft seltzers that are mimosa seltzers. Um, and we have a separate menu totally for that. So like pancakes and chicken and flatbread with, uh, egg and cheese. Um, they have this one thing it's called the, the chef has this thing called, uh, Jamie, he has a uh, situation plate and it's basically, uh, potatoes with roast beef or corned beef and a, a slab of, uh, smoked chowda or gouda and then a, an egg on top. And it is amazing. Ooh. It's something you would find in Europe and like Germany or something. It's so, so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's some vegetarian the options and some vegan <laughs> options as well. And what are your hours? We are open Monday through Thursday from 11 to 10, and then Friday and Saturday from 11 to midnight. Okay. Uh, although Saturday now from 10 to midnight. And closed on Sunday. Closed on Sunday. Um, all right, well, let's kind of go around the room one last time here. And, and ladies, uh, one of the things I want to make sure we ask you about is that you're obviously a nonprofit. Uh, you get a little little bit of state funding, but heavily rely on donations and corporate Hopefully. support. Yes. So, and you got fundraisers throughout the year as well. So, so just tell, tell us about what do you need from our listeners? So uh, we have a couple of, well, interaction, engagement. Um, everyone can do uh, their part, whether that's small or big. I think that that's one thing that we always try to stress, whether it's, um, you know, doing something in you know, being, being a believer, being someone that is there to support in their own, in someone's own personal life, or whether it's having a, a conversation with someone else in at lunch about, Hey, I heard this awesome podcast about the sexual assault center and, you know, like what they do in the community and ha telling them about, wow, did you know that they do prevention education, having conversation that can help donating money, uh, you know, even being a, a volunteer to help us fundraise, um, or even, um, if you, if you can't donate, you know, uh, monetarily, um, there's other ways to give to us. And so, um, in, in any way, we always try to encourage people to, you know, find, um, a way to, to make an impact. Um, uh, but yes, uh, to kind of, I'm sorry, just to kind of go back to like how, how we are funded, uh, we are funded through some state funds as well as, um, some federal grants. But, uh, like you said, we, we heavily rely on our community. We're so grateful for how our community, uh, came, you know, they really showed up when COVID happened. Uh, I know that Roger, you and I worked previously together a lot with our um, Rump Celebrity Dance Challenge event. That was a huge fundraising event for the Sexual Assault Center, which we are bringing back in 2023. Uh, very excited to announce that and share that. But, um, you know, when uh, COVID happened, we had to 
you know, cancel the event, being responsible, making sure that we, you know, obviously couldn't host this huge community event during a pandemic, right? Um, so we launched our first annual fund campaign ever, right? Wondering how is our community going to respond? Are they going to even, you know, you know, still want to donate to something that's not an event, something that's not fun? Um, but they showed up. They did. And we surpassed what we needed to to make that year um, and every year since. And so um, we're, we are excited, though, to bring uh, our CDC back in 2023. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about our funding. And what's um, let's just kind of as we wrap up here, any final thoughts or contact information? How can people connect with you? Website, social media, phone number, what have you? Yes, absolutely. So um, all of our our information um, can be found through our website or through um, social media platforms. So we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, it's at SAC and WGA. Um, just type in Sexual Assault Center of Northwest Georgia or Sexual Assault Center Rome, Georgia. It's going to come up in your Google search. Um, but we are uh, available twenty four seven. Um, it's not just um, some calling center that you're going to talk to. It is a, a real live advocate, someone that uh, that works with us, who then you can meet um, one of our amazing saints, one of our nurses. And so um, anyway, just being able to contact us through that or through our social media platforms. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Uh, final thoughts from you at Harbor House and maybe how people can support or help or connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just like Kimberly said, we're funded very similarly, uh, federal grants and state dollars through our accreditation agencies, but, uh, community donations. We, and that's what we need. Um, yeah, that's what we need. We need donations. Uh, about 60% of our, uh, operating costs come from the opportunity to get grants. They're not always available and they do get cut. So we, we need the community bonus fundraisers. We got a 5k on Saturday, you know, and I know it's two days away, but race day registration, come on out, you know, help us out. Race Don't, day registration. If you're not a runner, come out and walk. We got a two mile walk, bring your dog, but that helps. I mean, it really does. Little things like that. Well, just supporting some of the things that we do throughout the year. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Harbor House, Northwest Georgia Child Advocacy Center. You'll find it. Uh, we got a website as well, nwga-cac.org. And uh, give us a call. We'll tell you all about us, 706-235-KIDS, kids. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> uh, okay, Gorg, um, location for the foundry and contact information. So, so we had a little bit of hiccup with our website and with our Facebook page recently. <clears throat> Big um, tech. Long story. Um, but, I, I, but we I, have I, bl- a, I blame Zuckerberg. It was Zuckerberg. <laughs> he came personally. No, so we have, we have um, a new Facebook page, and it's just The Foundry. And you'll see the little logo um, on it. And then our website's getting adjusted, and it'll soon – be posted through that but you can we're on 255 north fifth avenue so fifth avenue on the corner of west third and fifth and we actually do enjoy doing events which actually support things like these two organizations in our community and um we're actually going to be doing an event uh on october 18th with a guy who's written a book called cash on cash and he's gone into the he went into some uh archives with johnny cash some interviews and all that stuff and he um he wrote a book and he's going to play music and we're going to do a pretty try to do a pretty big production with this. And we're actually looking to probably do a donation of, of part of that fund. And so I may be talking to one of these two 
afterwards, or maybe both of them, because um, they're just great organizations. And I, I know I've dealt with a sexual assault center before, and they're fantastic people that really do an amazing job. And um, um, just uh, the, I can't even imagine the things they have to put themselves uh, yes. through just to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, that's part of the uh, community connection, not only in the, in this room for the podcast, but in real life when you guys go out and the businesses and organizations support each other, which brings me to Carly for her final thoughts, because that's the Chamber's wheelhouse, <laughs> making sure y'all all work together. It's not idealistic, though. Um, but final thoughts is just always go onto our uh, Chamber calendar where these guys can put all their events going on in their communities, kind of going on in their lives, kind of keeps all of us connected. We have events as well coming up next week and at the end of the month um if you'll just kind of look out for that and then you can always catch us at romega.com and then obviously my email is kparker at romega.com as well and you can always reach out for us if you want to be a guest on the podcast as well beautiful <laughs> uh well thank you so much everybody that was been, it's been a great show appreciate you participating You've been listening to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. Thank you so much for listening.